to welcome to the Barbed Wire Bite with Pitbull One Gary Wolf. Uh, a new beginning, so to speak. As you see, it's a new site. Everything is new. And yes. uh, how's it going in the new year for you? It's going all right now. I got back to training. You know, I always take a couple of weeks off, you know, for the holidays. And I lost some weight, so I needed to put some weight back on. So it's good. It's all good. I started back today. Uh, I try to get a jump on the new year. Everybody else gets off their couch and goes in there and they try to last two weeks and they can't. By that two weeks done, they're done. So I call them the tweakers because they last two weeks. I wait for them to get out of my way. But I've been training at home usually. I I haven't been back to a gym yet. I'm debating on it. Uh, I was telling you earlier, a lot of people don't notice, but I train in my backyard. I got to go pick up a $6,000 tire right now. Somebody's giving it away. It's a 400-pound tire, truck tire. Because we do a lot of sledgehammer and tire work and shit like that back here. Because we do it in the yard with the sun. It's been cold down here, too, in Florida, like everywhere else. Uh, it was only down to, like, 31 degrees yesterday. And that's cold. Finally starting to warm up. So I want to ask you, everybody, uh, all the fans of the ECW got to see about a week ago, if they ordered it on Fight TV, fighttv.com. Uh, the uh, Battlegrounds pay-per-view, which uh, you were on there, and you took on the franchise, Shane Douglas, in a uh, six-man tag. Was that a fun show to do? Yeah, it was awesome. We had a blast. And it was sold out. You, you couldn't get a ticket that night. I mean, I had people calling me up for tickets, and I couldn't help them. I mean, it was really good. We had a good night. Uh, it was packed. So, uh, we, we did our first women's hall of, women's pro wrestling hall of fame induction. And, uh, we ended up putting jazz in who delivered, you know, definitely deserves it from WWE two time champion Medusa many times champion ECW plus WCW. I don't think she, uh, I think she was supposed to be an ECW, but never showed up against uh, Sherry Martell at the time. Uh, and we put, I happened to induct Luna Vachon with David uh, Gangrel accepted that for her and her behalf. And it went really good. And it went so well that now the next, the next event on the 18th that they're doing at the arena is going to be on Fight TV again. But this time they want the Hall of Fame on the pay-per-view, which is great. You know, so we're very excited to be live on pay-per-view, uh, figuring out who's going to get inducted. You know, we have a lot of people that is on the list for 2023. Uh, due to the fact it's going to be a pay-per-view, I'm pretty sure me and my partners have some uh, surprise that we're going to do, uh, you know, just to draw some more people there, you know, since it was so successful. As a fan watching, my only complaint, because it was very nostalgic to see all the – the ECW guys and even some of the new guys like uh 911's kid and all that, but the the production quality, the I don't know if it's the building or not, but it just wasn't streamed good. Everything looked very blurry when you watched it on fight. I don't know if that was a fight issue or if it was a I'm thinking an internet issue from the building itself because it's an old building, but uh, I hope they could improve on that in the next one. That was the only the only downside, man. The the mic audio in the ring, like when Bubble was talking, I couldn't hear a lot of what he was saying. Yeah, I noticed the audio was was a little fuzzy. Like the picture wasn't there. Uh, that's got to be Fight TV's problem. You know what I mean? Because I know they show other stuff. Uh, I mean, when we did our pay-per-views out of that arena, I mean, 
I didn't see no tractor trailers there. That's what I'm saying. So I don't know how small point TV is. I mean, when we did our pay-per-views, there were tractor trailers there and all kinds of crazy stuff, especially when Apple TV was there and we did that show with the Monster Factory. I, I was very surprised. The technology they had there that night was insanity. The fight, and I don't work for Fight TV, neither do you. They're not promoting us, but uh, Fight TV, if you pay the $5.99 a month, you now get unlimited access to all the past, present, and future GCW shows, which you know I'm a big mark for. So, uh, very well worth spending six bucks a month on. Gotcha. <clears throat> uh, Danny Demento runs that, right? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I'm just a fan. Yeah. And my son is a GCW mark. So paying that six bucks, you figure one show is 10. So there you go. One show and you pay. And they usually run like three a week. So really, that's busy. That's good. That keeps the guys busy. But they're doing death matches. That's why they're doing three days a week. Yeah, they do a lot of death matches. can do six days of that. No, that's... You know, is this is the site www.hardcoregraveyard is now an ECW tribute site. Oh, got some video up there. Hope to add more. I want to ask you, uh, being we can treat this as kind of new, you know, uh, everybody says, What was Heyman's thing? The Heyman Hustle. How many people did Heyman hustle when you were in ECW? And by hustle, I mean make you work harder than you should have in terms of violence and not pay you. Were you hustled by Heyman? Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. We we knew we were rolling, and we gave them two weeks' notice. So when it got to, like, the last pay-per-view we were doing in Pittsburgh, uh, they were putting Anthony against Taz and making me be on the sideline. We had to put our foot down that night. You know, Taz called me up every single day that week. He was afraid we were going to shoot on him on live television and just beat his ass. And we weren't going to do that because we're business guys. You know what I mean? I don't care if I was working 20 minutes or two minutes. I'm still getting paid the same. I kept trying to explain that to him, but he thought by calling me up every night that I was going to be upset if I had a two-minute match. I'm like, dude, I'm getting paid the same if it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, or two minutes. I'm still getting paid the same. I said, so I'd rather it be two. I don't give a shit. You know, and I don't know why. He was just very, very worried. You could hear it in his voice, you know. And that's how he was. You know, people don't didn't see that side of him. You know, I worked a lot of angles with him, so I'd seen a lot of different sides. Of him, you know, until he turned into Taz and he did that gimmick, you know. And that's how he really was. I mean, he uh, wanted to be an asshole. That's how he just was. You know, he got pissed off that Tasmanian devil thing didn't work and he knew he looked stupid doing it. You know, and I had to mention that to him. I'm like, come on, man, you got to do something better. Come up with a better gimmick. Come up with better. You know what I mean? And Paul eventually put his head together with him and they came up with, you know, once he opened up the school, because we had the school in Philly. So he opened up the school in New York. And, you know, then next thing you know, the Taz Dojo became the gimmick, you know, and, that's what Paul told him to do is act like a, you know, a prick. That's what he did. So, but yeah, it was, I was very odd that he would call me every night before that pay-per-view. But I, I told Paul, you know, just like business, I just told him straight up. I said, listen, uh, yeah, we're going to work tonight, but you're going to pay us before we go out. And we want our regular money. And then I want our pay-per-view money as well. 
I'm not going to wait 30 days and not get a check. That's not going to happen because we're going to be gone by that. Because we were going to go to WCW. I just didn't know. Why do you think so many people worked for free? You know, I know you and I have talked about this, but for new listeners, you know, you have people like when the, and I understand like if you just quit and you're being owed money in bankruptcy, but like uh, a Tommy Dreamer, you know, by his own admittance, I worked there for a year without getting paid. You know, some of these guys, I think when Shane left, he was already owed 47 grand. Why would you let yourself get that far in the hole? Why wouldn't you just say, I'm not coming back unless you pay me? I wouldn't mow your grass for free, let alone do a blade job for free. Yeah, I see. We never had that problem. Uh, he always took care of us. I don't know if it's because maybe we were we were really tight with Todd Gordon. You know, we had our Philly clique, which was Raven, Todd Gordon, Sandman, me and Anthony, a couple other guys, Big Joe, you know, Sabu, Van Dam, uh, Mike Lazansky, Bigelow. Like we had our own little click, you know, when the guys would come in from like when when Stone Cold would come in when he left WCW, he would be in our click. When Rude would come in, he'd be in our click. Gordy, Doc, they'd all be in our click. They always would hang out with us. Mongo, McMichael, they would all be at my house. Dude. We used to have a blast. I was only seven blocks away from the arena. So, you know, we're at my place having a blast, partying our asses off before we even go over there, you know, because I knew. I was never in a rush to get to the building because I knew nothing was going to be ready. You know, I'm going to sit there, get dressed for two couple hours and be sitting there waiting for them to tell me what I'm doing that night. That's how it was. Why do you think he got away with that, though? Just uh, people wanting to follow him in case he went somewhere else or didn't want to turn oh, yeah, on him? Oh, no, yeah. A lot of guys didn't want to turn on him because at that time we start we started realizing, wait a minute, he's getting paid by them. You know, everybody started figuring it out. We were lucky because Bischoff and Rick Rude and Diamond Dallas Page and Raven and them were already at WCW. So, you know, it was just a matter of a time when they were going to call us and they called us. You know, all five of them with Kevin Sullivan was on the line. Uh, Terry Taylor. We had five guys on the line when they called me at my house because I always handled the business for me and Anthony. And uh, they gave us a great deal and they were going to sign us for three years. And I know we would have signed another three years easily. And then we would have retired because that would have been it for us. We would have been done. But, I mean, I couldn't believe it when I got – because I was getting the call. I mean, I heard what happened with Vince buying ECW, but I didn't know they were going to buy WCW at the same time. And it just screwed everything up because I was flying out Monday to go sign a contract. And Bischoff told me straight up, he goes, I'm under – I got a letter in the mail saying I'm not allowed to sign. No new talent can be signed. That's it. You know, I mean, it was bad enough. They had guys under contract for three years. that They never even worked. They sat yeah. home for three years and collected a check. I just wish I would have signed that deal maybe a week earlier, and, you know. But I'm, I'm sure Vince would have brought us in and used us, you know, because 98, he brought us back, put us against the headbangers. I guess they look at us again. We had a great match, man. I don't know what their dealio was, but they were supposed to put uh, Terry Reynolds with us as a valet. And then, uh, I don't know, they were playing head games with us, never called us. So I said, you know what? I got a job offer in Australia. So we moved down there to Melbourne. And we were making, we were working four nights a week, making great money, man. So I wasn't going to bet. 
Did ECW pay good when it was going, you know, say, uh, well, 95 to 97 era when it was pretty hot with the tapes and the shirts and everything? Oh, yeah. Once I remember I signed a deal, like, probably when I went back, it was like around 93. And I was always there from when it was Tri-State Wrestling Line. I remember getting $15 checks. But I was green, you know what I mean? I was very young. I mean, the only time we started getting paid better is once we got back from Japan. You know, all I had to do was make one phone call, and Ty Gordon was like, fuck, you just got home from Japan. Absolutely, be at the arena Friday night or Saturday night. Show up. They go, where's Anthony? I said, well, Ant's in Germany right now. Uh, I said, but uh, he's going to finish up his tour, and then he's coming back. So when he comes back, that's when I want to tag back up. But in the meantime, I'll do singles right now. I was ready to go. Uh, it was just a matter of uh, three weeks, and Paul was like, "All right, I want to. I want you to. You're hired." That's what he said. I went three weeks in a row, worked one night, and then finally he was like, "All right, come Friday, Saturday, I want you on the trip. Here's your ticket, plane ticket." And that was it. He started paying for my flights, and I don't know where I was, but I mean, like, what, what I just don't get is like, um, and you know, I know Raven has said uh, Heyman was like a cult leader. And I've heard that from other people, but if if you're making money, if you're rocking and rolling, getting paid a lot, and how would he get people who weren't getting paid, you know, go out there and rip yourself with the barbed wire, take it right in the head with the chair, hard way bleed, get hit with the chain. I'm not going to pay you, but I need you to do that. And, and everybody was just so eager to do it. Why do you think that was? A lot of guys wanted a job, man. I mean, I know guys, I'm not mentioning names because it's really not my business to say it. But a lot of guys would drive themselves in. I mean, I'm talking a hike, you know, eight hours or maybe 75 bucks a night. Okay. But they were on television. They were on ECW. They were making a name for themselves. So you got to look at it that way. And I think that's how those guys were looking at it. I was very lucky, me and my partner, that we were in that we weren't in that situation to get taken advantage of. Ever. So you know, they, I mean, come on, we had the heavyweight, we had the, we were the tag team champions and TV champions, both of us. So they invested in us to help the company, and we did. I, and I'll, I'll give it was because at the time it was ECW, USW was kind of already on its end, so to speak, where you had US or you had ECW and you had Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And it seemed like if you worked for one of those companies, you pretty much, you were either going to WCW or you were going to WWE. You had the exposure. It seemed like a lot of ECW guys went to WCW, though. It seemed the vast majority, that's where they ended up with. Yeah, a lot of guys. I could have went earlier to WCW because Raven asked me to go and be part of the flock. But I had to get knee surgery at the time, so then Perry Saturn took off and he went. But... Shit happens for a reason. I mean, like I said, they eventually called me and Anthony. They wanted to send as a tag team, so it worked out good. I mean, we were happy. It's just that, like I said, everything went to shit when uh, Vince bought everything. So we couldn't get signed. You know, that's when we were just like, screw it. We, we moved to Melbourne, Australia. I was there nine, ten months, and I was even thinking, like, if this keeps going as well as it's going, I'm going to move here. You know, because I got a sweet job. I'm on TV, for, you know, I'm doing four shows a week. I do TV once a week. We're on every weekend. 
where our ratings were pulling in 12s and 13s. Okay, so we were killing it right before rugby. You know, a lot of WWF guys was on the card. Nails, Hawk from the Road Warriors. Uh, we had the Samoan SWAT team, the Bruise Brothers, uh, a couple other tag teams. Uh, Mike Lazanski came in, the Canadian Tiger. We had the Giant from New York. Uh, they ended up putting the straps on us down there, so we, we worked a little harder, but we got paid a little more. We just had to do a lot of TV shows, you know, up at – we had to be on, like, 6 o'clock in the morning show. You know, Good Morning Brisby, Adelaide, Sydney, Melbourne. We would do all those Good Morning America shows over there, Good Morning, you know, Australia. What would you say when you were in ECW? What was – the two-part question. What was the best match you ever saw there, and what was uh, your favorite match that you were in? Well, I'm going to give you two favorite matches. Mike Awesome and Tanaka. I think that's what it was. Uh, which was at the uh, one night stand. I thought that was oh, where they were killing each other with the chairs. <laughs> unbelievable match. Uh, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, one of my favorite matches. Unbelievable match. Uh, the first time working Rey Mysterio and Juventu Guerrero was awesome. I was we were the first guys they wrestled, man, coming to America first time. Me and Anthony looked at them, and we thought they were 12 and 13 years old kids, man. We didn't know what the hell was going on until they put their hoods on. Uh, best match for me was Stevie Richards and Raven versus the Pitbulls, two out of three falls, 1995. It's ranked number one or number two, so I can't even say anything but that match. That that match to me was the, the genius of Heyman because – you had all the angles. You had Alfonso, the choke slam, nine one one, Tommy Dreamer and Rave, everything. He managed to take ten the angles Dudley. and jam it all into one match. Yeah, the Dudleys, everything. And and you know, it was just and I remember that was the episode of the TV show that day, because it was the two out of three fall match. And there was like I think one, maybe some interviews, and then that was the show, was that match. Yeah, it was an, it was crazy. I sit back to this day. And I can't believe, like, oh, man, I can't believe I remember everything. Like, <laughs> it blew my mind, you know what I mean? Because I didn't know we were getting the belts until we got there that night. Like, he didn't even tell us Friday. And I blew my tricep on Friday. I popped my tricep. I, I wrestled with one tricep that night. And we still had – and that was a double doll collar match, which ECW – nobody was doing that before us. Nobody. Now was that uh, hard uh, hard way bleeding or was those blade jobs in that match? Oh, I, we bladed, you know. Of course, unless an accident happens, you know, shit happens. So kind of like with the rottens, we're just beating the shit out of each other hard way. It happens. I mean, sometimes the leg of a table may hit you in the head, and a chair, a leg of a chair hit me once in Florida, dude. It went in my skull. I had a. It looked like a piece of pizza. That's how it looked because I remember I go up to Paul Heyman. I'm like, look, should I go to the hospital? Look at it. Nah, it looks all right. So then Dean Malenko and Benoit and Eddie comes over and go, let me look at your head, Gareth. Because we were all tight, you know. So he looks at my head and they're like, fuck, you got to go to the hospital, man. You don't fuck with that shit. It's your fucking skull. You know, and that's a, you don't need to get staples or stitches easily. You have to. You can't leave it like that. So I said, fuck it. I went to the hospital. I think I was in Daytona at the time. Walked in the hospital and the lady was giving me a bunch of shit. You know, she's like, oh, well, we're going to have to staple your head. And I'm like, okay, do it. I said, but I don't want my hair cut. 
If you want stitches, we're gonna have to shave your head. If you don't want stitches, we'll staple it. It's gonna hurt, but we but we won't cut your hair for that. Bro, bitch. Next thing you know, some surfer guy who's a doctor comes out, real fucking cool, and he's like pulls me in this back room. Next thing you know, he's doing it for me. He, he stapled me, stitched me up. Never cut my hair. I was at the club about an hour and a half later, man, at the nightclub where he was at. So it was cool, man. I always liked uh, when I watched the uh, the first uh, barbed wire bat match. I mean, I'd seen some in Japan, but it was always very slow and methodical. It'd be 20 minutes before somebody even got touched with it. And when Axel and Ian had theirs, you know, we're talking, what, a minute in, and they're just smashing each other, ripping it out of each other's skin. That I hope they got one hell of a payday for that because I know they're both. I know Axel's entire arm was shredded from that match. I mean, permanent scarring that you know. Great match though. I mean, if it, all the magazines made it. I personally would you have done a match like that? Yeah, we they actually put us with them in the National Enquirer and said most bloodiest match ever, and it was the Rottens and the Pitbulls. I just remember a friend called me up and said, yo, you're the National Enquirer. And I'm like, what? And I look at it and it says most bloodiest. So that was pretty cool. So, yeah, those guys were animals when they came to the They didn't care. They destroyed their body. And they, Ian's still destroying his body today. Yeah, he's the, the body he has left. So. Yeah, he's he's still promoting, I think, down in the, in the southern area, IWA, I think. And then Exit uh, Past. Yes, yes. I think it's in Kentucky somewhere he works out of. I'm not sure. And, you know, and I've watched some of those shows. My wife is, a, uh, I think I've told you, she's a deathmatch fanatic. She loves that shit. We watch some of his shows. There's eight people there. You know, they're in a fucking park, you know, or they're in a, a an auto dealership. They, they don't even have 20 people there. And these guys are just, they're using gusset plates and, and uh, weather stripping and asbestos. Doc, how much money do you think they're making? Six, they're seven making, bucks or a sandwich? They're not, yeah, they're not making no money, and they're killing themselves. I don't get know? it. I don't get it. Don't know, man. That's why uh, back in the day, they had a word for the, the people that would work and not want to, don't care about what they got paid. We call them whores in the business. You know, I like deathmatch so, wrestling, but I mean, you'd have to. There'd have to be a pretty sweet deal for me to get beyond mangled up and have like I mean we've watched some where they get scissors in the tongue and syringes in the face and it you know that's I mean, not you even come on man you you're, I'm talking over two G's three G's man yeah. before I'm not even putting my boots on I want it in my hand and I go out there against anybody you're gonna pay me that kind of money and I'll do whatever you want I did every all that you name it I did it in Japan bro okay where it was invented in Japan. Before they was anything here in, in the in our United States, they did it first in Japan. Japan I was having people that don't. I was having do. baseball bat, barbed wire, bed of nails, you name it, except glass. We I never did light tubes or glass. That's just to me stupid. And we, I was doing that between the nineties and ninety one. I mean, we started at New Japan, which we didn't do that shit there. Until I got an FNW and wings, and that's when they started showing me all this crazy stuff, you know. So, but I was used to it in ECW because when we went over there, we were going, Doug Gilbert was booking us, and they were putting us with, you know, Jason the Terrible as a six man. So it was awesome, you know. 
having him with us gave us a big push over there, which we need, which we got. And it was really, really cool, you know, working. It was, we ended up, I ended up tagging up with Bowles Mahoney when we did the takeover of FMW. And we watched, you know, I used to always watch, and I still do sometimes, IWA, Wing, FMW. They have matches, and for fans, you can see it on YouTube. They have had matches where you got to throw a guy in a piranha tank, where there's cactuses in the ring. The, they have barbed wires electrified. You know, I'm sure it just makes a, a spark or something, but uh, balloons above the ring that explode full of tacks. And they took it to a level of, um, I don't even know what the word is. If you were extreme, this would just be what, in, insanity, I guess. But, uh, and these guys were like walking scar tissues. It, it was insane. It's like I said, that's just how it is, bro. I mean, it was strange to me, but. I remember being in New Japan and uh, Tiger Chung Lee and Tiger Jet Lee were actually tag teaming up. And I was hearing, like, it sounded like a stampede, you know what I mean? Like of horses and shit running around. Until I looked at Bam Bam Bigelow and I said, what the hell is going on out there? He's like, oh, they're chasing him with the sword. You know, Tiger, he's crazy. He'll chase you with that sword, try to stab you with it, and the people will just run. Back then, you were allowed to do that. You know, he's like, if they touch you, smack them in the face. The fans, they love it. Just be careful. If you hit one of them mafia guys, you might get killed, you know. So we were just like, really? I mean, we could do that? And we're like, we'd come out with our chains swinging, man, and people would just get up and run. And it was awesome. We loved it. It was just something totally different. We'd never seen that before. But then when we got in the ring, we didn't realize, like, it's stone quiet, man. You can hear a pin drop. You have to do something in that ring to impress those people. Otherwise, there's silence, man. Like I said, you get like I said, you'll hear a bird chirping, man, before you hear anybody clap. But once you do something good, they will go off and start clapping. And that's when you turn around and you just look at them like, ah, now I see how I get it. You know, they want to see a vicious suplex, you know. Even if you take a vicious bump, you sell it, you register, but you get up, they will cheer you. You know, even if you lose a fight, man, or lose a match, it'll be like, great match, you lost, but hey, you gave everything you got. That's all they want to see. And you have their respect then. And that's that's how Japan is. That's the one thing I always gave Heyman credit for. Like in WWE, if you lose your job, or WCW, you lose too much your job. ECW, it didn't matter. He knew one gets over, one gets over. I mean, Sandman and Dreamer didn't win at hardly ever. I think Sandman went through like two years where he lost, but you never would even register or think that because he knew how to do the match where the one guy got over and the other guy, you know, got one guy went over, one guy got over. I don't know why he was just very good at that. I've always liked that. Ooh, yeah, I didn't I mean, care I'll who won or lost. I'll take a pinfall any day knowing that I'm going to get up and lay, leave him laying in the ring. Because that's all the people's going to – they're not going to remember me losing the match. They're going to remember me leaving him laid out. You see what I'm saying? So that's how you get over that hump, you know? I guess with that, I don't have anything to ask you about the history of ECW at this episode. I know you have to pick up a tire, but like I said, this is the uh, the website's new. Everything's new. It's all extreme. We'll count this as a new beginning for a show. Hope to have some other shows uh, coming along with this. But uh, you'll be here uh, once a week for all the fans. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, we're trying to get some other people to jump on board. Uh, make this like a little, little collaboration, you know what I'm saying? A bunch of people. 
should be pretty good. Uh, ECW, they already announced for 2023, December to remember Extreme already, number two. So that's how successful it was. So uh, real quick, uh, January 14th, I will be in Tom's River, New Jersey to find yourself wrestling. Check that co company out. Find yourself wrestling, it's called. Uh, I'll be taking on this guy named the Dilf. He was the one that didn't pay the boys. So I had to whoop his ass that time. But now I'm going to get him in a match. It took me a while to convince him, so I'm glad I got him in it. Uh, so it's a payback for all the boys he screwed over. So get ready, guys. We will take care of that quickly. And I promise the fans on the website I will try to find the video of Anthony, the late Pitbull, on the Jerry Springer show. Oh, yeah, you'll find that. No problem. <laughs> it's there. Uh, Iron Sheik's with him. Love I couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I I love the Sheik too, but I wasn't flying to Chicago for two hundred fifty dollars. It wasn't happening, bro. <laughs> so, well, I guess with that, do you have anything left to say for today? No, I just want everybody to start listening up. Check us out. Uh, it's going to be even better than it was before. Uh, more extreme style, more ECW. Other than that, I'm ready to rock, man. Well, then we'll see you guys next week. Oh, <laughs>